Okay, so we are going live. What I want to do today is I actually want to start off doing something a little bit unique, and that is I want to sing two hymns. And if you're joining with us, I got some special guests today. We're going to let you come on. So we're going to be on for an hour now until 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. And I want to welcome you to come and join with us. But what I want to do right now before we get started is go to the live feed and post up this hymn, Oh, for a Thousand Tongues to Sing. And, and you guys just stay muted. Those of you who are on, we'll hear from you in just a, um, a moment. But I want you guys to stay muted. And I want to give the chance for all of us just to sing a hymn to God. So if you guys are listening to us, uh, sing it with us. If you guys know the song, sing it. If you don't know the song, I'm going to put up the lyrics right here. If I can get a comment up here. Oh, you know what? It's not going to let me put up. Um, it's not going to let me put a picture in there. Let me get you guys a link. And if just so if you want to follow along. Today, what we're going to talk about is we're going to close out this season of basically this week of dealing with sin in the church, compromise, and people not willing to deal with it in the right way. So here is this hymn. I just want to glorify God with this hymn. But before we sing over a thousand tongues to sing, let's sing the doxology. Once again, you guys stay muted. And anybody listening, sing it on your own because we'll all be out of sync if we try to sing it together here. And you know I love Jesus if I'm willing to sing, okay? So you guys should know that. You know that Joe loves Jesus if he's willing to sing. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We sing that song in solidarity with the ancient church and the bride of Christ that's in heaven. And now moving in history a little bit closer to our time, the Methodist movement, the great holiness preachers of the past, Charles Wesley, John Wesley, and so forth. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise. The glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace. My gracious Master and my God, assist me to proclaim to spread through all the earth abroad the honors of thy name. Jesus, the name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrow cease. Tis music in the sinner's ears, tis life and health and peace. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. He speaks and listening to his voice. New life the dead receive. The mournful broken hearts rejoice, the humble poor believe. Glory to God and praise and love be ever 
given by saints below and saints above the church and earth and heaven. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Well, welcome with us. What a wonderful time to be alive, to be preaching the gospel, to have the opportunity to use technology to do such things as this. I'll introduce my guest to you now. We have Pastor Lauren, the COO of Metro Praise International. You want to give a shout out, Lauren? Hey, what's up? Good to have you here. We have Pastor Jared. He is a professor at SUM Bible College in charge of our discipleship. Also has a great passion for evangelism. Give us a shout out, Jared. What's going on, everybody? Hey, hey, hey. And then we got the one, the only, Stephen Ramos. He is an amazing man of God leading up the squad life group tonight at 7 o'clock. So if you're looking for a good home Bible study, and you're in the area, come join us. If not, find him at Squad on Life on Facebook, and you can see his teachings live. And he's a pastoral intern, SUM graduate. Go ahead, Steve. Give us a shout out, baby. Hey, how's everybody doing? God bless you guys. Amen, amen. So we're just here wanting to wrap up this week, this season, as it were, of sharing and caring with People's Church. They put out a stance on homosexuality. It, it was weak. We responded to them. And then as we began to direct comments towards them, they blew us off. Some of the people from the church told me they looked at us as just haters and that we were just bashing the church. So we made sure to do ample teaching on it. We spent a great deal amount of time at the early week, a part of the week with two videos, as well as that original post yesterday, getting definitely all up in the grill of that false doctrine today making a very kind and loving appeal and now here we are we're just going to wash our hands as the bible says say we love you deuce and if they want to come back and hit holler at us come on do something about it otherwise we've said what we've had to say we love them enough to tell them the truth the bible says an open rebuke is better than hidden love it's good to see Gigi here. If you want to shout out, go ahead and put up your name on the comments. And then we're actually going to let you guys join with us today uh, as I just share a scripture. And I hear from some of our, uh, our, our panelists that we got on now. If you want to get on, whether you agree or disagree, all that we do is ask that uh, you, you let us know in the comments. We'll send you the webinar link to Zoom. And then just don't cuss. Allow us to interact with you. No grandstanding. And then have fun and uh, be like Jesus, Okay. Let me give you a quick scripture here. Put the word on it. The Bible says, Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and onward, that in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness. And his message was, it's time to live your best life now, folks. So come and buy my book for $10.99. No, what he came and said was, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Even as I was talking to Lauren uh, before the show started here, Lauren was expressing about how she grew up with her mom in the church and in different multiple churches as she grew older. You know, she never had a question over whether or not homosexuality was a sin. You would never be considered right with the church if you walked in with your partner and talked about it like that. The church would welcome you to attend, but they would be very honest with the sin and let you know you're not, you're not inheriting the kingdom of God. Now, can sinners attend churches? 
churches? Absolutely. But we don't make them think they're Christians, especially when they're in brazen sin. If someone says, hey, this is my girlfriend. We're living together. We're not married. Uh, the first thing we're going to say is, hey, man, you all need to get holy about this. You know, sleep in different, different rooms, start there or get married, do whatever it takes. But don't think we're cool with it. Now, does that mean we don't love sinners? Yes, we love sinners, but we hate the sin. So John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And then the Bible goes on to say, this is he talking about John the Baptist who had spoken, who was spoken of through the prophets. And this is what John was going to do. He was going to be a voice of one calling in the wilderness. What was going to be his message? Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so that's what we should be doing now, preparing for the second coming. John the Baptist was preaching a message of repentance and preparation for the Lord's first coming, calling people to be holy and to be right. That's what we should be doing for the second coming. I'll hand it over to Jared. Jared, look up Isaiah chapter 58. Give me a quick explanation on what that means as you're looking it up. Just want to let you know, we don't want this to be a one-sided conversation today. We're welcoming anybody to come on with us. Sharon, give you a shout out. Thanks for joining with us. Anybody that wants to come on today can come on. So think of it like a live radio show. Um, you know, even if you don't want to put up your camera, you don't have to, but it will, it will, the link will act just like a FaceTime video. We'll send you the link, you'll click in, and then it will ask you if you want to access your audio and your video. So everybody's welcome to come on and join us. Put that scripture on, uh, let's put it on Isaiah 58. Jerry, give us some good exegesis, my brother. Sure thing. Isaiah 58 is about true fasting. So this was the prophet. He was speaking to the people uh, of his generation, the people of Judah, in the days leading up to um, the fall of Samaria at the hands of the Assyrians, just to give you a little historical context. And uh, this, was a, this was a sick culture. This was a culture that had strayed from God. Uh, but all the while being sick, sin sick, uh, they had this veneer of religiosity of, uh, about them that, hey, we're the chosen people, we're God's people. And uh, they thought that essentially no matter what, God had their back. And they were going to find out the hard way when Assyria came, God did not have their back. God was the one sending judgment there. Uh, but among other things, they had this practice of fasting, which, uh, you know, is, is practiced by Jews to this day pretty regularly. And this is what he says here, Isaiah 58, verse 1, Shout aloud, do not hold back, raise your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and is not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions. They seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you do not notice? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarrel quarreling and strife, and in striking each other with wicked fist. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only a day for bowing one's head like a reed or for lying in sackcloth and ashes? 
Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Uh, I'll stop right there for now. What we're seeing is, uh, again, this veneer of religiosity. Um, the prophets have always expressed disdain for it when there's basically hypocrisy, religious hypocrisy, where the people of God, the priests, those who are supposed to be God's covenant people, those who have God's laws, those who claim to belong to God, and basically pay him lip service while living immoral, lascivious lives. In this case, there's a lot of oppression and injustice going on. But you will see here and in other places in Isaiah, for example, Isaiah chapter 1, he actually says, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 10, on a similar note, hear the word of Sodom, you hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom, hear the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah, the multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come before me, who asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies, your new moon feast, and your appointed festivals. I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. So they come and they meet and they go through the religious ritual, offerings, sacrifices, incense, meet at the temple, and think that they are all right with God, but God sees their sin and he hates their sin. There's a place in the first chapter of Malachi where similarly he says, I'm, I'm tired of your broken down sacrifices that you offer with a begrudging heart. I wish you'd just close the door to the temple and, and stop wasting my time. I'm paraphrasing here. That's the new Walker translation, NWT. Um, but, but all that is to make a point about what we have in our churches today. You can have the show. You can have the appearance and the veneer of spirituality with your songs, with your preaching, with using the right verbiage about the love of Jesus and being Christ-like. But if you have all of that, it will not excuse you if you live a immoral and sinful life. In other words, you cannot live in unrepentant sin of any kind and claim to be a follower of God. It was true in Isaiah's day, and it's true in our day. You can sing all the songs, but if in your private life you practice things that are detestable to the Lord, God hates it, he says. It is detestable to him. And so this is what we're, we're doing here because it seems like friendly fire. It seems like we're going at people for no good reason, like, hey, we're all, we're all brothers and sisters. This is just, you know, why, why are we fighting like this? But God takes it so seriously. He is a holy God. He is a righteous God. And we are to be holy and righteous people. We are the saints. We belong to God. That is what the church is. A lot of churches have adapted this belong before you believe mentality. And so you can have sinful people who are not yet Christian, who have not repented. 
serve in various capacities. They can serve coffee. They can even be in your children's ministry teaching children uh, and do various sorts of things. And the idea is to accommodate people who are still in their sin, still in their unbelief, and, and, and to allow for this sort of thing. But I think this is a parallel, at least in some ways, to what the prophets of old have seen. We cannot claim to know God while tolerating and living in unrepentant sin. So there's a, a few thoughts on that passage. I know I went off <laughs> from the, the first uh, 58 to back to chapter one. You're but. excited. You're excited. We got Bible teachers in the house. That's okay. We love it. Hey, want to give a shout out to Edwin. We are just free flowing today. We're closing out this week, making sure that everybody knows that this church, Metro Praise International, loves you. We love other churches, but we hate sin. The Bible says, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Uh, Lauren, you've kind of been watching what's been going on this week, and you tagged in uh, or you wrote on the people's uh, Instagram, and you were kind of seeing some of the comments there. What do you think overall about what's going on in churches today that, that are like people church and this kind of way that they think they're so cool, they're so much smarter than generations that came before them because all these generations that came before them, they were, they were too strict and that caused a lot of church hurt. So now they've got to get back all those lost people and they've got to make sure that sinners feel comfortable and belonging before they have to repent and do those things. What do you think about all of that? Yeah, I think that um, they cause a lot of confusion just watching People's Church put up their Instagram post and then watching all the comments underneath. Um, there was so much confusion in there and we don't serve a God of confusion. The Bible is very clear. The Bible does not confuse us. Uh, the Bible tells us exactly how we're supposed to live, how we're so like Pastor Jared was saying, like we are actually Christians that living that are living lives like Christians in our private life it's like radical christianity actually doing what the bible says um but we are not confused by the commands of the of god and when they're putting up these posts where they're saying these wishy-washy things and not being very clear and then causing confusion to to members of their church and it was just it's a mess it is an absolute mess and it is not what god has uh, commanded us to do. They are not being strong. They look weak and it is a playground for the devil. That is how I see it. Everything that they're doing right now, they are making their church a playground for the devil, for the devil's lies, the devil's doctrines. And it is not a good place to be. It is a very scary place. So thank God for pastors and preachers that will speak up and warn them. Like you said, when you open this up, an open rebuke is better, right? That is true love. For us to say, hey, you put this out publicly. It's not like they were doing something secretively and we're calling them out. They put it up publicly for the world to see. So let us publicly go and try to correct them in love and tell them, hey, you're going the wrong way and you are playing with a dangerous place to be. You are, this is supposed to be the house of God. This is supposed to be a sacred place and you are allowing sin and things that grieve the spirit of God into your church. Amen. And by the way, guys, you can join us today. I see people joining us online. If you want to come on the podcast right now, all you got to do is comment. I want to come on and we'll send you the link to the webinar and you can come on and share whether or not you agree or disagree. Think of it basically like a live radio show, but just doing it on Facebook. I put up a post, Steve, a little bit earlier today 
that said, just like it's not hard to get alcoholics to go to a bar or perverts to a strip club, it's not hard to grow a church with unrepentant sinners. Steve, you've been a part of the church long enough to know what size do you think our church would be if we didn't do discipleship and didn't hold people accountable? You know, all the outreaches we do, all the people we draw in, all the great preaching and music. How many more people? We have about 250 now. How many people do you think we would have right now? Uh, we would not have room um, <laughs> for the people to come in. We would need a mega church size uh, uh, church. We would probably, you know, blast some of the mega churches. Uh, in Chicago, out the water, if that was the case. Come on. But, um, but it's obviously not the case. And, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely grieving, you know, um, to hear about it. I've been following it on Facebook. I even been following. I'm like what you call a, uh, you know, I'm here for the comments, you know. And when I see, you know, things like that going on, I go to the comments. And as uh, Pastor Lauren was talking about, you see the confusion uh, of society within within the church like we don't even have to talk about the world you know because the world is going to act like the world's going to act you know they're going to be the world but when you look in the church there is so much confusion within the church people don't know what sin is anymore people don't know how the character of god is is he still holy in the 21st century and based on you know churches like the people's church um and other churches that have the same kind of stance no we're, we're, we're trying to remove the holiness of god for quote unquote tolerance and um, and acceptance of people, and I think it's it's, it's a total opposite of what Paul preached in the Corinthian church. I, I'm looking at First uh, Corinthians chapter five, and I know people uh, came at our church. They came at, at you as a pastor, and you know I heard one comment. It was gross. That said, you know how dare you even call yourself a pastor? But it, it's the equivalent of saying that to Paul when he wrote the uh, uh, the first First Corinthians chapter five, when dealing with sin in the church. And these people were boastful, like they were voice, they were voicing their sin and they're accepting of it. Uh, even to the point in verse six, it says, your boasting is not good. You go back up to the first uh, chapter, uh, the first parts of the first paragraph of chapter five, it says it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. And you go on to this, verse two, it says, and you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? And then going on to uh, 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 verse 12, because people's like, oh, God doesn't judge and we shouldn't judge amongst each other, blah, blah, blah. But the Bible says right here, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God would judge those outside, expel the wicked person from among you. And so I hear verses like that. I hear the context of what's going on in that time. And in comparison to the 21st century, it's no different. We are called to confront churches, confront individuals, confront sin. Yes, in a loving manner. It doesn't mean that we hate the person. We actually love the person enough to tell them you're on a road to destruction. Pastor, you're on a road to destruction yourself. You will be judged for these things. Wake up, you sleeper, and come out from amongst them and start dealing, you know, dealing with uh, the church as God deals with the church himself. And so I think just all in all, and I don't want to be ranting on, but it's definitely grievous in the 21st century. We are called to, to confront. We are called to keep one uh, each other accountable. Galatians chapter six, you who are spiritual, if you see somebody who was in sin, go and confront the individual, but be careful lest you too fall. And I mean, there's, there's, there's many scriptures in the word of God that says, 
we must deal with these things. We must judge these things. We must confront these things head on, not in a manner of, oh, I'm going to hide behind this. I'm going to hide behind that. But the moment a public figure, a pastor goes on Instagram and makes such a claim like that, an acceptance like that, we as the body of Christ must come in, in, in charge of the Lord Jesus Christ and confront things of that manner and confront it head on in love. Uh, just as your uh, one of your posts you had put, P. Joe, was saying we have to be bold as lions. I, I can't see a lion looking at a gazelle and be like, hey, look, you know, uh, go on ahead and just lay down and I'm going to bite your neck and I'm going to eat you. No, man, he's going to chase that gazelle down and he's going to tear that gazelle up in boldness. And so, yes, we're not going to tear anybody down in that manner, but we are going to be bold as lions and we are going to confront what needs to be confronted, especially sin and culturalism inside the church. Amen. That's so good. And thank you for breaking that down because I actually put up earlier this week, should we even obey the command of 1 Corinthians chapter 5? And there was 7% of the people that said no. So that, I mean, that, you know, I got a lot of good people on my, my page, obviously. So 93 said, excuse me, they said, yeah, you're supposed to do it. So I, I have a, a bit of a higher average, but even on a page like mine, even on a place where you know we're teaching the word of God, there's still 7% that had a way around that, not to understand it clearly as the scripture said. And I uh, just want to give some shout outs here today to those who are joining us. Good to see Juan Riasco here right now. We also see uh, Jen, she's already chatting, Jesse, Adam, uh, Valeria, Al, Curtis. Once again, guys, this is not just a one-sided discussion. If you guys want to join us right now, comment you want to come on live, whether you agree or disagree, and we'll send you the link, and you can just come on and talk with us. We really just don't want it to be us today, but it will be us if no one else wants to be on. So just let us know if you want to come on. Then no cursing. Interact with us. Don't just grandstand and have fun and be like Jesus. But uh, Jared, going back to what Steve was saying, we know we have to have an on-ramp for sinners to come into the church and get saved. So describe what we would do in our church with a lesbian couple that would come. Well, uh, if if they happen to uh, attend a service or a life group, um, we would, we would love them. Um, we would not insult them and use slurs and do anything deliberately cruel to, to try to drive them away. Let's just, let's just get that clear in case anyone thinks we're, we're into that sort of thing. Um, but we would love them and and we would speak the truth in love. And so we would call them, um, A, to understand the gospel, um, that Jesus died uh, for our sins upon the cross, and that they must repent of those sins. And everyone has sins to repent of. Not everyone's a lesbian, not everyone's a transgender, but everyone has sins to repent of. That is their sin. Um, and we would call them to repent of it. We would say, listen, if you take the gospel seriously, and if you want to be a member of this church, you would take steps to break off this relationship and surrender your sexuality to God. Because, you know, as it is, um, you're basically putting your sexuality above God uh, right now. So I, that, that would be the counsel to give them. And, and if I could just add something here. Um, we believe one of the best ways to bring sinners into the church is outreach, evangelism, 
going into the highways and byways, and then equipping the people of the church to win their friends, family, neighbors, co-workers, and classmates to the Lord. And so it's the church going out into the world to the sinners, but not so much changing what church is to accommodate sinners. And I think that's one of the problems there as well, is like, if your church service is comfortable to sinners, uh, that's, that's not necessarily a good thing. Though we would welcome them and, and do everything we just said, it's not about them. It's about Jesus. We're here to worship Jesus. We're here to fellowship. We're here to operate in our spiritual gifts. And, and so um, we don't change what church is to accommodate them. But if they do come, we, we will love them. We will invite them to, to repent and live for Christ. How's that sound? That's awesome. Hey, good to see the rest of you guys coming here. Jessica, Jose, uh, Keenan, some others have joined with us. By the way, guys, this is a two-way conversation. You can join us right now online. So even if you are part of People's Church or you have questions about it, disagree with us, just think of this as a live radio show. Comment right now. We'll send you the webinar link and we'll let you on. Uh, we're doing this without cursing, without uh, grandstanding, interact with us and having fun and living like Jesus. So we couldn't get anybody to represent them, but we're going to move on from this season. After this week, it's going to be over for me. Unless they want to contact me, we'll go from there. But I'm not going to stay focused on this. I have bigger and better things to do. Uh, but Lauren, you know uh, we have at least eight to ten people in our church from gay, lesbian, bisexual backgrounds. They're living for Jesus. They've confessed their sins. One of them in particular, we don't have to mention her name right now. We'll keep everything just with us here. Uh, you know, I don't generally name private people's names when I'm doing public ministry, just as a habit, even though I know she wouldn't mind us doing that. And she would come on if she wasn't probably working right now. But you know who I'm talking about. She's in the Bible college. She's testified quite, quite frequently in our church, used to dress like a boy, looked very similar to a boy. How would she be today if we would have never preached to her the way we did? Do you think that just in the, not necessarily judging her future when we wouldn't know it, but just knowing how generally people are, do you think she probably would have just stayed the way she was, found an excuse to stay in her sin and felt good that she was still a Christian because, uh, you know, she can believe in Jesus too, like everybody else and not have to change because no one else really is changing. And because of that kind of false message that this young lady would possibly still be going to hell. Do you get where I'm coming from, Lauren? I'd like you to comment, maybe in your own way, but, I, but I'm trying to get that angle there. Yeah, absolutely. And I know her very well. I'm very close to her and um, a mentor in her life. And I know one of the many reasons that she was able to overcome um, that area of her life is because we challenged her with the truth. We told her the truth. We loved her with the gospel. We loved her uh, with the love of Jesus. And we were very clear with her. There was no confusion. Um, about where we stand, what the Bible says, and how to get free, that Jesus can set her free with his truth. And praise God for who she is today, because she has been set free 100%, has no desire to go back to that lifestyle. But if she walked into our church that day looking like a boy, and we told her, like, you are okay, we're just going to love you in your sin, and you stay this way, she would have felt comfortable to continue to go to hell and that would have not really been us loving her correctly at all. That's so true. And we are thankful for what God's work has been in her life, along with the many others. So people who try to falsely paint us into a certain kind of church that's so strict that none of these people actually come and get saved is redonkulous. 
Uh, last time I did a survey, 80% of our 250 people were first-time salvations in our church. So Jared in this meeting right here is a first-time salvation in our church. He had uh, visited a church as a young child, but it didn't really stick. He came to us as a law center, got saved, went to Bible college, got his undergrad, his, ba his bachelor's, then his master's. Now he's a professor. Uh, there are so many more like that. So it works, it works, it works. And we're not here to try to defend pragmatism or our church's way of doing it. But what we're saying is Jesus's way works. When you preach the gospel and are upfront with people, they get saved. And so this idea that we somehow have to change the standard to have people get saved is not true. Think about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, 19 and onward. He said, go and make disciples. How are disciples made? Are they made by angels? No, they're made by people. And he, he's even clearer on how that happens. It says, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So we have to understand whenever we meet somebody in a church setting or while we're witnessing and we have the ability to preach the gospel, whatever sins we see, we are to tell them to repent of and start obeying God's command in that area. The church has built up this idea of like trying to soften the blow in some way, like as if teaching the command at the wrong time can cause so many problems. And that's once again why these churches are so weak and they don't have strong stances. That's why they don't have uh, real robust biblical stances. That's why like this one from Peoples didn't even have one verse on it in their Instagram post on homosexuality, because they don't know how the scripture addresses these issues and teaches us to do it. And when we run away from those things, we're doing them a great disservice. So does that mean, like the young lady we're talking about now that, that comes to our church, does that mean she has never sinned or lusted after another woman or something like that or gone back to her lifestyle or backslid during that time? No, not at all. But, but she always knew she had to repent of that and that she would not go to, go to heaven living that way. The same thing with someone sleeping with their boyfriend or girlfriend, the same one that's greedy. Any of the sins, the Bible names, and let me just read them out real quick for those who want to see it. Uh, and Jared, maybe just post it up for everybody. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, lists off the sins. It says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. Now listen to what he says here. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So can people come to our church as sinners on their way to hell and hear the message and us keep loving them? Absolutely. But they cannot claim to be a Christian. Let's make sure we get uh, Chris Nepstead a link so he can come in, please. Uh, let us make sure they know they're not a Christian for as much as we know of their lifestyle of sin. And then those who are now claiming to be Christ, if we see the lifestyle of sin, to correct it by the word of God. Michael, good to see you here. Just giving shout outs. Whoever wants to join us, uh, let us know. We'll get you online, and uh, you'll come into our webcast. It's just like a FaceTime. Your phone can do it, and uh, you, you can uh, come in with your audio and your video. We just ask no cursing. Everybody uh, work together and have fun and uh, live like Jesus. Uh, Steve, 
is it really this complicated? Is it really something that it takes, what, four videos to do in a week to help people understand? Or is it really that so many people have done it wrong, it's like they've tied knots and we have to keep on tying them? Whereas if they would have started with the word, it would have been easy. I think it's very easy. What, what makes it hard is people's comfortability and, and not wanting to be confronted. That's what I believe. And so it's like, hey, you live your life and I'm going to live my life. We're going to go to the same church. I'm going to do my kind of sin, you know, and go to sin bucks or whatever. You go to sin bucks and go get your coffee of sin. And hey, man, we're just going to live in sin together and we're just going to worship God together. And I think that is the mentality that the 21st century is pushing us with the media and with all the controversial that's going on within the church and out the church that people are comfortable. They are afraid of confrontation. And so part of confrontation brings, I have to confront you in your sin. I'm not comfortable with that. So I'm just going to go ahead and let you be in your sin and just hope that you end up getting it right on your own. That's not, that's not for one, that's not love. When we go to the doctor and the, and the doctor has a bad report of let's say cancer, God, God forbid, right? The doctor doesn't look at you and be like, well, I'm scared to confront this person with the truth. So I'm going to lie and say, hey, you're good. Live your life. Do your thing. Keep going to sin bucks. You're awesome. No, he's going to confront the individual and let them know, listen, you have cancer. This is the stage. You need to do X, Y, and Z so you will not die and hopefully continue to live on. Let's start the chemo. Let's start the process. And so why is it if a doctor who does that and lets a person know, hey, you will die if you don't stop doing this or if you don't do X, Y, and Z, what is the difference between a pastor telling an individual, if you don't repent of your sins, whether it be homosexuality or whatever it is, pornography, whatever it is, then listen, you are going to head to destruction. You are going to die spiritually. We are charged with the same charge that a doctor does as, as a pastor does. We are charged with the same charge to go and speak the truth and love and to confront the issue that would ultimately lead to death and destruction. Amen. And uh, Chris, make sure you get on here. Okay, Dan, good to see you. We're just doing a live cast. Everybody's welcome to come on. If you just let us know, we'll get you on here. We're hanging out. Uh, that was good. Simbucks had us laughing there. Hey, I want us to think about this. Let's read James chapter four, verse eight. And you tell me how to interpret this. I got the Greek here. I've, you know, I got the Greek Bible. I found it because uh, last uh, podcast I couldn't find. It. I got the Greek Bible here. Okay, here it is. Let, let's see if we can interpret this. Uh, Jared, you tell me as a scholar what this means. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. What does that mean, Jared? Well, uh, all of this is kind of reminiscent of the imagery of sackcloth and ashes, you know? Like in the Old Testament, when, whenever uh, the, the people realized that they were in sin and that they were under God's judgment, it would, it would be a very sobering moment for them. It would kind of open their eyes because up until that point, you, you, they just be carrying on, living, uh, living in defiance to God, and not really feeling any any problem whatsoever with it. Um, and, and but the moment that happens, the moment you realize you're not right with God, the moment you realize you've been sinning 
against a holy God, and he's not playing with your sin. He shows no favorites. He's got to deal with your sin. So you're not presuming on being a Christian. You're not, you're not trusting in, your, in, in anything at that point. You're going to God for mercy. You're crying out to God for mercy. And as you confess your sin, it is said that you are siding with God against yourself and against your sin. You're no longer justifying your sin. You're no longer okay with your sin. You are like the publican in Luke 18 who beats his breast. He won't even look to heaven. He says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And this is over against the pride and the conceit of people who just kind of strut about presuming on the grace of God. And, and, and so this is a call to, to people, you know, in James, I believe this is a call to, to people who are Christians, who have been sinning, a particular group, as you see from the beginning of the chapter, people who are quarreling and so on and so forth. People who were, according to chapter 4, verse 4, were adulterous and were friends with the world. And he's like, snap out of it. You have no idea what kind of danger you're in. Amen. Just want to give a shout out to Dennis, Andrea, Nandri, Julie. Once again, if you guys want to come on, let us know. We're taking in uh, live feed, uh, people on the live feed today. We gave someone a link. He's not up here yet, but we'll see if he can get in. It will work just like getting on FaceTime. You click the link, come in with your audio or video. That's so good, Jared. And, and Lauren, I want you to hit on this. When we say the Holy Spirit convicts, you know, there's kind of like this Billy Graham saying that says, uh, the Holy Spirit convicts, I'm just going to love. Uh, good to see Frederick here as well, Iris. Does the Holy Spirit convict without the preaching of the word, or does he convict with the preaching of the word. And before you answer, let's see what James said again in 516. My brothers and sisters, if any one of you should wander from the truth, so that means there's a truth, and it means people can wander from it, and someone should bring that person back. So it doesn't just say the Holy Spirit says someone brings them back. That must mean the Holy Spirit uses people, right? Remember this, whoever turns or converts a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. So does the Holy Spirit just operate on his own, just simply speaking to people, and we just say, leave it to him, we're just going to love, we're just going to love, or is there something we're actually supposed to do, Lauren? We are commanded to go, we are commanded to speak, we are co-laborers with Christ, we are the ambassadors of Christ, and he uses us <clears throat> to speak the truth, excuse me, and he convicts, you know, we aren't the Holy Spirit, but he uses us to speak and he does the work in men's hearts, men's and women, men and women's hearts. Amen. So we just got a little bit more than 15 minutes left. If you guys want to join us online, either to agree or disagree, you're more than welcome to come on. We are just discussing what's going on in the church today at large, using the things that happened this week with People Church and all that we have done to give our attention to it. Um, Steve, you know, the Bible talks about us being watchmen in Ezekiel chapter 33. The Bible says that he set him as a watchman over those people and that if he did not warn them and they died in their sin, that would still be their fault, them dying in their sin, but the blood would be upon his hands as well. Now, some people may say, well, that's just the Old Testament, but 
Paul uses that same analogy in the book of Acts as he's leaving the people of Ephesus. He's saying farewell in Acts chapter 20. This is what he says. He said, you know, starting in verse 20 of chapter 20 of Acts, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you. So he never played with soft clubs with them. He always taught them the commands. Whenever he saw them breaking it, he taught it to them. He said, I have taught you publicly and from house to house. So is everything we do on a live cast or in the front of the people on Sunday? No, it's also in a house to house. You're having a home Bible study. We invite everybody in the Chicagoland area to go to the squad tonight, hook up with Steve Ramos and a home Bible study as they're going through the book of Romans, okay? Paul said, I have declared both to Jews and to Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. So repentance and faith always go hand in hand. Someone who says, like James said, who has faith, but has no repentance, has no good works, does not have true faith. Even in Ephesians 2, 8, it says we're saved by grace through faith. This is not of ourselves, not of works, lest we should boast. But in verse 10, it says, for we are God's workmanship or masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. So how do we know we've been saved in verse 8 by faith, uh, by grace through faith? Is because verse 10 is we're living out good works. Paul preached the same way. How do we know you have faith? It's by your repentance. And now he says in verse 22, I'm compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen. I know that hardships face me in every city. And he continues on to say he's going to finish his race. Now look at verse 25. He says, now I know that none of you will that I've gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. And look at what he says, and remember the watchman passage in Ezekiel 33. He says, therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. And so when we talk about uh, the church today, Steve, and we talk about people uh, hearing the word of God from us, shouldn't they hear it with repentance? Not uh, The message should include repentance because we're their watchmen. We're there to guard them. And not only will it be bad for them if they don't hear the word of warning, it will be bad for us. Would you share your heart on that, please? Amen. I think that was uh, that's that's such an amazing word. And it's it goes in line with what I'm uh, teaching and preaching on today in regards to Romans chapter 10, where it's confirming what you just said. We are the watchmen. The people of uh, old, even in the Old Testament, the prophets were the watchmen to the, the people of God, the Israelites. But what happened to the Israelites is that they wanted to do things their way. I see God's way. God wants to deal with my heart, but I don't want God to deal with my heart. I just want him to bless me. I want him to deal with my physical. I want him to deal with, you know, riches and, and, uh, and prosperity and things like that, just like the 21st century. But I don't want God to deal with my heart. I don't want him to deal with my sin. I want him to leave that alone. And so here comes the pastor. Here comes the teachers. Here comes the fivefold ministry uh, to the people in the 21st century, preaching the word of God, breaking it down, giving application, giving understanding to the men and women of God. But then it comes down to the choosing. Am I going to choose to listen 
or am I going to harden my heart and go do elsewhere? And as you said, Pastor Joe, their blood will not be on our hands. But now if we don't go out and speak the truth in love and confront sin for what sin is, then it is our fault then. We are charged against that. As Isaiah said, um, and, uh, and Paul had brought it up and in, uh, in Romans chapter 10, what did he, he goes on and talks about, uh, but not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing and hearing a uh, and from hearing the message and the message is heard uh, through the word about Christ. And he starts talking about four different things. How can we hear if somebody doesn't preach and so on and so forth? You know, you need a preacher. That preacher needs to be sent. You then need to hear it. And then you need to choose to believe what is going on in the 21st century. God has sent the preacher. The preacher is now preaching the word of God, whether you like it or not. He's talking about sin. He's talking about repentance. And then after that, the choice is now on the believer. We then hear the word with our ears and we then have a choice. Am I going to believe it? P. Joe's talking about people search. He's saying that homosexuality is a sin. We got to confront sin. I'm hearing the message, but am I going to choose to believe it? In the end, our hands are washed from your blood and now your blood is on your own hands. The person that chooses to hear, but not who has ears, but does not hear, who has eyes, but do not see. And so it goes down from there. So I think and, and, and we are called, we are charged to be these watchmen. Is it, the crazy part, is it an easy task? No, it is not. The pastor is the one that takes the backlash. My pastor, Pastor Joe Irasa, goes on Facebook, confronts the sin, and guess who gets the backlash? Not the sinner who's living in boastful sin. It's my pastor. He takes the lashing. So what, what am I trying to say? Listen, this is not an easy task to confront people, but we do it because we know it is the truth. And even though persecution, we know is going to come. It's going to come in, in different manners. But we don't care because we're trying to honor God and his word. And in love, we're trying to honor people and telling them, regards, their sins, repent, turn to the living God. Let them work on your heart. Stop dealing with your flesh. Let them work on your heart. Amen. Just want to give some shout outs to Teresa, Vashon, Chris, John Morales, Amy, Edwin. Thank you guys for joining us today. We are just going live. If you want to come on live with us, you can. We're making it open to those who agree and disagree. We got our first guest on with us. Uh, briefly, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what your thoughts are, Chris. Go ahead, man. Hold on. Let me unmute you. Go ahead. Start again. Sorry. Thanks for having me. I uh, My name is Chris Nepstead. I actually am a worship pastor at Trinity Assembly of God in Zion, Illinois. Uh, but, you know, I've seen you. Uh, we, we, Pastor Joe, we actually have a mutual friend. Uh, we won't go there today, but I've been, uh, I friended you about three, four years ago when that person was going to your church and we've kind of been just Facebook friends. And over the past few days, I've been kind of following what's been going on here. And, uh, you know, this is just something that's going on in the church in these days, you know, uh, I love what you said yesterday. You talked about mentioned David Wilkerson and uh, one of his greatest uh, sermons that he ever talked about was the spirit of the Antichrist and how that is creeping in. And you can see it day to day. And, and as uh, believers and pastors like we are, I don't think that any of this is a surprise. If we look in the word, we really know what's coming. And But it's, it's a shame that the sin is just rampant and it's in the church and it's 
okay to, to be a sinner in the church. The, the difference between is we look for the change as pastors. We, we, the sinner is welcome, but at some point we got to see a change. And that's what we're lacking in the church today. Amen. Thanks for sharing that, Chris. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. But uh, here's the thing. Our love for people is being shown when we preach them the truth and do it in love, right? Right. So let's just take your church, for example. Let's say you have a lesbian couple that comes there. What would you guys do to make sure they were loved, but also to let them know that that would not be accepted as that behavior? Here's what we would do real briefly. We would say, hey, no problem, you coming. We just don't want the actions uh, of, of sentimentality in front of this congregation with our children here. You guys are more welcome to come together. And if you consider yourself Christians, we want to let you know we don't. So we welcome you to come as sinners and hear the word. So if they were that bold to come into the church like that, we would be that bold to do, to do that. We've actually seen the fruit where people get saved like that, and it works in their hearts because generally them coming to a church, there's something they're searching for. Now, we don't know each other. I don't know how you would do it in your church, and you don't got to feel any pressure, but just curious. I mean, just what would you say to someone in your church like that? Well, I agree with you 100%. The, the other thing, too, is, you know, it's me and you, we're, none of us here are doing anything. It's God and the Holy Spirit that's doing the change in the person. But, yeah, you're totally great. You can't, they can't be living the lifestyle in front of the congregation. You know, there's a spirit that comes along with the lifestyle that they're living. And we all know the spirits are contagious. So that's, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. So it's, Go ahead, finish, please. So at some point, you know, there's got to be, you know, you know, just, you know, love is the, the key, you know, but, but some of the newer churches and some of these churches that you're, you're able to do whatever you want is just, it's love forever. At yeah. some point, we have to come to a hard reality that says here, the change has to start occurring. Amen. Amen. And before we get on to some of the others, did you want to say anything else or did you just kind of want to hang out and get your heart uh, shared well, in that way? You know, I, I, this is all new to me. I'm not an online chat or anything like that, but <laughs> okay. I, felt, I felt like the Holy Spirit was just, you know, I, you know, I, I, I bring a different perspective because I don't go to your church. Yeah. I don't go to people's church, but yeah. I am part of the church of God, you know, which is Amen. what the Bible says. Amen. Amen. Well, hang out, man. You're doing good, man. If anything else comes up, you can join the discussion just like anybody else. Uh, somebody has asked me, what is my position on women in the ministry? We actually allow women to be full-fledged members of the ministry. We believe that in Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit came upon males and females, young and old, that the, um, the restrictions of the priesthood were lifted. We still believe in the biblical order of the family because we believe that was reiterated. But we believe that now the ministry, the fivefold gifts can be used by women and men. And we see that in the Bible, also the offices. And uh, we encourage women to be in the order of their family, you know, and then to serve God in the ministry. We do like uh, prefer, as most women prefer, to lead with their husbands. But if there was a single woman that wanted to lead a church, we wouldn't forbid her to do that. There's actually a history of missions and women being great leaders like that, even here in America, with the Four Square Gospel with Amy Simple McPherson, started an amazing movement that now Jack Hayford and others have been a part of. And then I debated a Baptist individual, Calvinist, on that. And if you guys go to our page, mpichurch.org, and look at our uh, debates, which I believe would be under one of our pages here, let me just see, would be under um, sermons. If you, well, no, let's say, just go to the search and uh, put in debates. And I'm doing that right now. And I'll put the links up there for you guys. We have just a few minutes, five more minutes for people to join with us. Lauren, what are you getting out of this? I know it's great to have Chris here, maybe feed off that a little bit and just kind of share your heart as we're moving forward here. 
I think we all have a choice. Um, we're living in some crazy times. You know, we read in the Bible for there, there will be a time that will come. And I believe <laughs> that time is now, you know, just like our brother was saying, we are living in a time where preachers are preaching compromise and they're saying what itching ears want to hear instead of standing up for the truth and standing on the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're calling, there's now a time where people are calling good evil and evil good. And we will continue to stand. And it's encouraging to see a brother in the Lord like Chris come on and say, Hey, I agree with you. And I, I stand with you guys. So, you know, we're not alone. We're not the only ones. I believe that the true church of Jesus Christ is getting tired. They're getting sick and tired of seeing the compromise. They're getting sick and tired of seeing uh, so-called Christians uh, say that they're okay with sin. So we're going to continue to stand for the truth and we're going to preach the word in season and out of season. And we're going to uh, say what God says. We're going to be like John the Baptist and prepare the way and say, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Amen. And just to be clear, I mean, think about those who have followed us on Facebook. Maybe some of you are just new because of a controversy like this, but we don't do this very often. And we only do it over the major issues. We're not calling out Armitage Baptist in Chicago because they don't speak in tongues or one of the reformed churches here because they don't allow women in ministry and so forth, or uh, somebody who doesn't uh, use the King James or somebody who is a King James only. Those are issues that the body of Christ can discuss in a healthy, loving way. Calvinist, Calvinism, Arminianism, cessationism, gifts of the spirit, women in ministry, so forth and so on. So please do not paint us with the brush of controversy. There, there are ministries that look for that in apologetic in a setting. And basically it's only therefore no more. Uh, I'm glad Chris is here with the Assemblies of God. We're non-denominational, but we have a Bible college with the Assemblies of God. We are in full agreement with the major institutions of Christianity right now in those stances that we hold. And we do not pick fights with people. And if you'd consider it like that, a biblical fight, not a carnal fight, theological fights with anyone that's in the realm of that biblical stance of Christianity. What happened here was someone stepped out of line as a church that was known for having a, a place that uh, I think John Gray would come or these other popular speakers, and he's a graduate from Hillsongs. So some of our friends would go there, so forth. So they have this reputation already among us as being cool, like you're in the in thing with the Bible, you know? You're not Urban Village, a pro-homosexual movement, a church like that. You're not the Methodist church, et cetera, or the church of Christ across from us. So that's why I'm warning of this. I mean, if I wanted to spend every day listing off churches that are off, then I, that would take my whole time away from ministry. We're not doing that. We're doing this for the, the sake of those we know in churches like this one that are not taking stands against sin. And because of it, the church is growing and it's given the wrong impression of the gospel and it's hurting people. We're actually here because we believe it's hurting people. Uh, if anybody else wants to join us, you guys have just a few more moments. Comment right now if you want to join us in the show. It was meant to be a time for us to chat with one another, not just uh, people from our church. Chris joined us from the Assembly of God Church in Zion, Illinois. If anybody else wants to come in, just let us know. And uh, as we're waiting for some to give us some feedback, uh, Jared, just in your last final words here, what would you say is our heart and the heart of, you know, the heart that God has and we're trying to have for this city and the church in general? Well, uh, first of all, um, we, it's got, let it be known that our motives are for the upbuilding of the body of Christ. It's for the health 
of the body of Christ. It is for the, uh, though I'm hesitant to use the terminology, it is for the LGBTQ people to come to Christ to receive healing, to receive deliverance, to receive transformation. That is our heart. That is our heart for the young lady who commented on that Instagram post saying, yeah, me and my partner, we, we love it here. God called us here, so on and so forth. That is our heart for her and her partner is that she be delivered from this. Not only the lifestyle of sin, but the deception that she could be a Christian and do that. And so we want her best in God. We want her to be happy with Jesus forever. But we know that that's like, uh, uh, like oil and water, you know, the two don't mix. It's, it's incompatible. She can't have her cake and eat it too. To live in unrepentant sin and to call yourself a, a, a Christian are, are mutually uh, exclusive claims there. And so when we see a vague teaching like this and when we see that people go to these churches who are living these ways and feel okay, uh, we we warn we warn the we warn the leaders that are doing it uh we warn um those in the lgbt lifestyle we warn them we were referencing act uh paul in Acts chapter 20 in ezekiel chapter 3 that if we do not warn people who are in their sin then their blood would be on our hands now they would perish for their sin and they may or may not listen to us if we did warn them but if we didn't warn them then our blood would be on our hands. So I would ask, you know, Pastor Chris Carmona, are you prepared on the day of judgment for that young lady and her partner who sit in your pew and hear your preaching and raise their hands and worship with you? Are you prepared on the day of judgment if they should die in their sin and they they have no warning from you? And so it's it's out of love for, for Pastor Carmona. It's like just to shake them. It's, it's to shake them. It's for love for people's church to shake us. Say, come on, because this is, it's not easy to hear you're wrong, but they're dead wrong. And sometimes you got to hear that. It's just called tough love. Uh, yeah. Amen. Sons, we got some kids over there. We'll be closing out here, guys. Well, thanks for joining with us. With us, We had one guest, of course, you know, we wanted more, but it is what it is. Uh, Steve, what are your last words, my brother? That I would say we love, we love sinners to Christ, and that would be it. You know, I think a, a lot of times people can get that, uh, you know, take confrontation as, oh, you you hate me or you don't love me, and, and that is not the case. We love God and we love people, and so our objective, man, is to love people to God, and it's not by setting up a trap for you and allowing you to be in sin, knowing that that is not the way to the Lord but it's preparing you, shaping you, um, discipling you to be a disciple of Jesus Christ in love who carries his cross daily, denies himself, and follows after the Christ of the Bible, not the, the Jesus that the world is trying to create in their own image and in their own likeness. It's the other way around. Amen. Amen. And you know, sometimes you got to use words to describe behavior. Sometimes people get upset with me saying sissy and coward. What do you think that word means, sissy? Now, I'm not meaning it just like in an effeminate way. Sometimes I think people are effeminate with the way they are cowardly. But the word sissy also means timid, weak, and it also means cowardly. So these words are the same kinds of words the Bible uses to describe wicked behavior, worthless behavior. He called them wild donkeys. 
He said that they couldn't even keep up with the, the footmen. How could they keep up with the, the horsemen? The Bible uses descriptive words all the time. I think people uh, get confused with Nicianity and Christianity. Nicianity teaches you never to say anything against anybody. Thou, thou shalt not offend is one of the commandments and all of these different things. But you know what? Christianity uses names sometimes. Sometimes Jesus called them a brood of vipers. Sometimes he called them wicked sinners. Sometimes uh, these different words are used to describe behaviors. The Bible actually says the cowardly shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's in Revelation. Also, the Bible says whoever does not receive correction is stupid. Now, of course, we generally tell our children, you know, don't call people stupid. But if you're going to have an authority in people's lives, and you're going to have to make sure that they don't go down the wrong path. Sometimes you got to say, whoever does not accept correction is stupid. And then ask them, are you being stupid right now? That's true. And so the idea isn't to try to always be nice, like in the world's view of being nice. The, the, the thing is to be biblical. Does God use strong language at times? Does God really deal with people in their sin? And does he get serious with them? Yes, not just religious people. Sometimes people say, oh, he did that with religious people. No, the Bible says that when the pagans did these things, he would mock and ridicule them. And as a matter of fact, in Psalm chapter two, when he destroys them, he will laugh at them in their destructions. Proverbs 12, one, whoever loves discipline, loves knowledge. Whoever hates correction is stupid. And then Psalm two, listen at what it says. It says, the Lord, Psalm 2, verse 4, the one enthroned in heaven laughs, the Lord scoffs at them. So just because every word we use now is not in the Bible doesn't mean we can't use it. Sometimes we have to scoff at people and their behavior. Uh, Elijah scoffed at the, the prophets of Baal and said, where's your God? Is he on the toilet? He mocked them. Now, does the Bible say at one place not to mock? Yeah, and in another place, they do mock. In one place, Jesus says, don't call anybody a fool. In another place, he calls them a fool. So what is the difference? You use your words with godly leading by the Holy Spirit to describe things with the hope of them changing. So when Jesus said, do not call your, in the Sermon on the Mount, do not call your brother fool, Raka, you'll be in danger of hell. And then he actually calls people fools in the same book of Matthew. He's not contradicting himself. What he is saying is you just can't flippantly call somebody a name and expect you're right with God. You're not. And sometimes we do that. And I've had to repent of doing it the wrong way. But that doesn't mean we still don't use the names like Jesus did to describe what they're doing in hopes they will repent. And once again, this idea of this tight pant wearing, blouse wearing style, I'm not saying that makes you effeminate. But what I am saying is there are a lot of people, and it's not just me, the feminine attributes. You can even look it up. Uh, feminine preachers, effeminate preachers. Some of these guys have taken time to actually record these guys. They're literally wearing tore up jeans all the way to their tight tore up jeans all the way to their uh, their, their, their thighs. They're wearing high heel boots long blouses, and they're shaking their hips while they preach. I'm telling you it's out there. I'm not pushing it that far, but I'm not the only one either that has a concern with a effeminate, weak-willed men not preaching as they should. And I think women can be bold as lions too, by the way, but men, there used to be a day where we would preach with fire in our eyes and passion and a lot of them are now copycatting this swag where it's like Chad Beach and Judah Smith 
and some of these other guys, and they preach very feminine. Many of them have feminine attributes. If you listen to Chad Veach, he almost preaches in a falsetto the entire time, like a weird, almost like he's trying to almost be African-American. People have wrote about that, calling him a blackface preacher, that he's trying to act so much like an African-American that he's almost like mocking them in a way. But it's weird because he's trying to do that, his personality, like this way of them having swag behind the pulpit should be concerning to us, guys. It should be. We should not just take it as it is, especially when many, many leaders now are coming out gay and homosexual and starting their own churches. One of the biggest churches in Atlanta, fast-growing church, is a homosexual African-American bishop, full-on gay, and he's growing, and they have Holy Ghost, you know, like get-down services. You would not know the difference looking from the outside. So I'm not just using names to be mean. Don't put that on me. And just because I've had a bad temper in the past or sometimes I have to repent for doing something that I shouldn't have doesn't mean I can't go off on God's things and be passionate because that's what the prophet said, lift up your voices. Uh, Lauren, why don't you go ahead and have your final word as well? Thank you. Yeah, I think that um, going off of what you just said, I think it's just time to get back to... Um, real preaching. I, I mean, hearing you preach when you go into a place of true preaching, I mean, my spirit is just aligned like, yes, like he's speaking truth. And I think that that's what our churches are missing. So praise God, like I said in the beginning, for preachers who will stand up, who will speak the truth, who are not intimidated by people. I know a lot of churches just want numbers. They want the money. They want they don't want to lose members or offend people. But praise God for real preachers, for real churches that will stand up and not be intimidated by people, will not be scared of losing people, losing their biggest giver. We're going to stand on the, the word of God and, and believe for revival in America again. Believe for the truth to, to come forth. Amen. And with that, would you close us in prayer, please? Yes. Lord, we love you, God. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you have uh, given us your commands, that you have been clear with us, that you are not a God of confusion. And we lift up people, church, to you. We lift up every church, God, that is not having strong stances, God, that they're weak in their doctrine. We pray that you would convict them, Holy Ghost. We pray, Lord, that they would not be afraid to speak out, that they would not be afraid to uh, receive the correction from other men and, and women of God. And we pray, Lord, that your church would be strong again in America and that we would see revival come and people saved, God, that we would see the homosexual uh, community saved, that they would turn from their sin and that they would declare that you are Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us. You can find us at Metro Praise International on iTunes for a podcast or the Apple Store, the Google Store to download our app. We will see you next time. You're looking for a good church. Join us this Sunday, 9 or 11, or check out some of our Bible studies tonight. Start with Steve Ramos and the squad. God bless you. Have a good night.